Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk. Today, we're going to talk about Biden's border obliteration agenda, COVID vaccines and data, Pfizer is winning, and DeSantis versus Newsom, which America do Americans want? And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. On America Can We Talk, I talk about election integrity, border security, healthcare freedom, race relations, energy and tax policy, education policy, free speech and assembly, freedom of religion, and all other issues that touch on the God-given right of every American to life, liberty, and the pursuit of their version of happiness. Stay tuned. America Can We Talk is sponsored by GC Works, a Dallas-based company performing advanced technology research in the oil and gas industry. And hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie George Addis. I'm going to talk in one moment about Biden's border obliteration agenda. That is a topic of my First Five. Before I do that, I want to make, make one minor correction from yesterday's show. Uh, I talked yesterday about the Pima County Democrats um, having made the uh, splashy, put it out in public announcement uh, that they were calling their July 4th celebration F America. That was actually incorrect. It was F uh, the 4th, F the 4th. And so to the extent that matters to you or you think that makes a difference, I've made that correction. Uh, and actually, no one called this to my attention. I just happened to see it later, um, that it, they actually were saying F the fourth, which is almost worse, or it's at least equivalent with saying F America, because these people are telling you, as many people, the hashtag was popular on Twitter, hashtag Democrats hate America. They hate the freedom inherent in the idea of America. But turning back to what I want to do in the first five today, Biden's border obliteration agenda, I wanted to share with you something I think that is really indicative of the um, agenda of the Biden administration. I talk you know, so often on this show about how the border isn't being enforced. We're, we're going to have again soon uh, on this show again a, a great Texan, um, a gentleman who's uh, been to the border many, many times, records what's occurring at the border, named Victor Avila. But he's not on today. But he and many others, people who actually go to the border, plus people who are former border officials, plus brave people still employed by the federal government who work at the border, who will all tell you we're basically not enforcing a southern border. And as you likely recall, uh, Biden on his day one, as, the, um, as he was sworn in on January 20th, 2021, one of the first things he did was basically obliterate all the protections that the Trump administration had put in place, given the fact of caravans of thousands of non-Americans who want to become illegal alien Americans, and illegal aliens in this country, are pouring over our border. Trump tried to protect against that. Biden took all the protections away. But the thing I want to share with you, I think is just, you may not know about, and it's just indicative of this, beside the fact of not enforcing the border, the mindset of this administration is to obliterate the existence and the meaning of the border, which means obliterate the existence and meaning of the sovereignty of America. It is that serious. Border enforcement, or lack thereof, is not simply a policy where you, know, you could have different avenues of thought. It is a, you have sovereignty, and so you at least attempt to enforce the border, or you don't. So the Biden administration, in their ongoing quest to abandon the border, um, had recently made a change, and this is just really important to understand. This is the Homeland Security Department's citizenship agency. The so Homeland Security, now under the control of he who was uh, placed in office on January 20th, Joe Biden, his, his Homeland Security Department's Citizen agency, citizenship agency announced a new policy. Before I tell you the new policy, here's what the policy was. If a person, a non-American, entered America illegally, came into America without legal right to be here, and previously the law was, if they stayed here for at least six months with no legal status, no legal right to be here, that then the rule was you had to wait. Once they were located and removed, they couldn't come back to America and make application to become a citizen uh, for over a year. So they had to, they had to wait um, 
I'm sorry, they, they couldn't make application for three years. So if you enter America illegally, you, you think you're here for good, you get caught, you get sent back. The rule was for a long time that you could not then come back and make application, become a legal citizen for three years. And that was if you're only here for six months or less. If you were here for longer than that or longer than a year for sure, and then you were caught living in America, no legal right to be here, you were removed, and then you were permitted, you were, you were barred, you were barred from making application to be a citizen for 10 years. Basically, the point of the policy was saying it's sending a message to illegal aliens. If you sneak in, it's going to be harder for you to make legal application later. It's a message to illegal aliens. We actually punish the failure to enforce the border. We, we, when you don't listen, when you don't comply with our laws, when you just enter America illegally, we punish you. So the Biden administration announced a change in that policy. And the change is policy's gone. Meaning they don't care what, how long you were here illegally and then you have been removed. When you come back and you attempt to make a legal application to become an American, there's no, no one says, well, what happened after last time we threw you out? I mean, this is rewarding lawlessness is the first problem with this policy. Rewarding lawlessness, having no consequence of lawlessness for lawlessness is one big you know, reason we never should have, that they shouldn't be doing this, that they should have left the policy in place. But re removing that policy, making no punishment for coming here, staying here, and then getting tossed out and you come back in, no consequence flows, and you can make application like any other person wants to. But the other consequence is, so you're rewarding lawlessness, but you're also sending a signal. You're sending a signal to wannabe Americans around the world that you absolutely positively do not care if people enter America illegally. There'd be no consequence to you. So people thinking about sneaking over the border in the past, when I thought, you know, if I do this and I get caught, then I have a, you know, depending how long I was in America, I have somewhere between three and 10 years before I can apply legally to come to America. But now there's, in fact, the message is because America abandoned that consequence of entry America illegally, they're really telling people, we just don't care about the border. Get that through your heads, all you legal aliens around the world, all you non-Americans. We're telling them, we don't care. There'll be no consequence to you. Go ahead and sneak in because nothing bad will happen. The worst is someone who might enforce a law and might remove you, might send you back, but just come on, do it again. This is a, and a reason I want to tell you about this, this might seem like a minor regulatory change, a minor policy change, but is, is indicative of the mindset of the Biden administration and the American, the anti-American left. They do not care about border security. They are more interested at the very, the nicest, nicest reasoning you can attribute to them is they really are so concerned about people around the world who are impoverished and want to come to America for a better life. The real reason behind every weakening of America's border, every change in policy that makes it easier and easier to sneak into America with no consequence. The real reason is that Biden administration and the anti-American left see the opportunity for people to enter America illegally and get lost in the heartland, meld into some city, probably a sanctuary city, and, and then at some point when the Democrats control everything, them putting in place what they've always wanted to do, which is to give the somewhere between, it's now estimated between 15 and 35 million illegal aliens in America give them instantaneous citizenship, which is what they've always wanted to do because they see them as future Democrat voters. And that, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So um, I want to tell you, um, I, that was uh, Biden's uh, border obliteration uh, policy. Um, I want to talk to you about COVID vaccines and data and stuff about like that. But I want to pre uh, preface it by saying, I cannot urge you strongly enough to read the website that was created by America's Frontline Doctors. America's Frontline Doctors. This is an organization that is committed, doc made up of doctors in America by the thousands joining and supporting this organization, trying to get the message out to the American people. Something is very, very much amiss in the policy put in place by our country by the CDC, NIH, FDA, the whole lot of them in Washington, D.C., these, you know, lifetime bureaucrat 
and, and truly powerful bureaucrats in Washington something very amiss about the policies they're putting in place, the steps they're taking, the, the advice they're giving. So America's frontline doctors look them up, read their website every day. They're full of information. But what I want to do about this uh, topic today, because honestly, I get, I'm on an email list that gets um, mountains of links every day. You get an email at least once a day, sometimes twice a day. A lot of links to the stories um, of the of the impacts of the COVID vaccines, of the danger of the vaccines. And what you end up realizing is that uh, doctors out there are trying to get the truth out. They are actually trained doctors, many of whom have actually treated COVID patients successfully with the very, very prescriptions of very drugs and treatments that Fauci and team are still trying to mock, ridicule, and demean. And yet these doctors are saying, these doctors who actually treat COVID patients, not, not Fauci who hasn't treated a patient in, I don't know what it is, 25, 30 years. Um, and they're trying to say to America, you know, we're trying to get the truth out to you. Fauci and the entire uh, phar pharmaceutical uh, bureaucratic complex really controls what most Americans hear about COVID, the vaccines, the impact, the treatments, other treatments available, and, and much of the uh, media echo chamber that is on the American left just repeats what he says. And yet these are doctors who actually treat patients saying, I got more to tell you. So I want to start with, there was a recent effort by the Pfizer, uh, Pfizer one of the uh, massive, massive organizations um, in uh, pharmaceutical companies uh, to get approval from the FDA for their vaccine for Children, children as young as six months old, we're talking babies, babies, they, Pfizer, want to get approval for a vaccine they developed for COVID, a COVID vaccine relating to, um, relating to uh, young children, available young children. And they actually made the application under the terms of the federal law that are called emergency use authorization. This is what allowed the vaccines previously, the COVID vaccines, to come on the scene in America so quickly was the Emergency Use Authorization Act, which essentially says in some uh, pandemic emergencies, other medical emergencies, you know, that the federal law will, will just ignore or set aside all the normal protocol restrictions and, and protections of the American people normally required before a pharmaceutical company can put a vaccine on the market. But emergency use authorization, it just pairs down what proof has to be shown about the efficacy of the vaccine and it pairs down the time in which the vaccine can make it from you know development into market into the into your arms and so this was a uh, this happened with the vaccines that were for adults and now Pfizer is pushing toward this vaccine uh, which is for children as young as six months old before I get to that I'm gonna tell mr. Joe my wonderful producer today uh, the first one I want to do uh, I have asked you when you're ready when I'm ready in just a moment um, is the, um, let me see what clip number I gave it, clip four. I want to play clip four in just a moment. Uh, but before I do that, I want to mention to our radio listeners, first of all, thank you so much to Brighton Radio. Brighton Radio, thank you so much for carrying this show. I so appreciate that. If you're listening to this show on Brighton Radio, I want to be sure you know my name is Debbie Georgiatis. The show is called America Can We Talk? The website is americacanwetalk.org. You can always go to our website, americacanwetalk.org. You can listen live. You can watch all past shows later. You can listen to all past interviews. You can read all of our blog posts, all of our very popular Why It Matters series. Uh, they're all neatly organized on the website, so you can always go there. And I will tell you on radio that you will at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past the hour, and again, at three minutes before the top of the hour, you will go off to a break, a station identification, et cetera, break, an advertising break. So during that time, this show is rolling on. So if you're curious about any little piece you may have missed, you can go to our website, americacanwetalk.org, and listen to the whole show or the portions you missed. So thank you to Brighton Radio. Okay, so back what I want to do. I want, this is a doctor who's talking about what proof Pfizer Pay, Pfizer had when they presented to the FDA their argument that th there was justification for the emergency use authorization uh, permission for them to bring the Pfizer vaccine for COVID for young children as young as six months old to market and listen to what this doctor has. And by the way, wait, wait, let me tell you one more thing before you do this. I urge you, 
get out your pen, get out a piece of paper and take notes or come back later and listen to this woman. This doctor is talking about what Pfizer had in hand, the research they did when they presented to uh, the FDA their request for emergency youth author use authorization for the vaccine they developed for COVID for babies. Go ahead. I'm Dr. Claire Craig. I'm a diagnostic pathologist and I'm co-chair of the Heart Group. And I want to take you through the evidence that Pfizer just presented to the FDA on the six month to four year old children. There's an awful lot about this trial that has shocked me and I think will shock you too. The trial recruited 4,526 children aged from six months to four years old. 3,000 of these children did not make it to the end of the trial. That is a huge number. Two thirds of them. Why was there this drop off? That needs to be answered. And without an answer to that, on that basis alone, this trial should be deemed null and void. So what did the trial show? Well, they defined severe COVID as children who had a slightly raised heart rate or a few more breaths per minute. There were six children aged two to four who had severe COVID in the vaccine group, but only one in the placebo group. So on that basis, the likelihood that this vaccine is actually causing severe COVID is higher than the likelihood that it isn't. There was actually one child who was hospitalized in this trial. They had a fever and a seizure. They had been vaccinated. So now let's turn to what they defined as any COVID. And what they did was to utterly twist the data. They vaccinated the children and they waited three weeks after the first dose before the second dose. In that three week period, 34 of the vaccinated children got COVID and only 13 in the placebo group, which worked out as a 30% increased chance of catching COVID in that three week period if you were vaccinated. So they ignored that data. And then there was an eight week gap between the second dose and the third dose, where again, children were getting plenty of COVID in the vaccine arm. So they ignored that data. There was then seven weeks after the third dose, which they also ignored, which meant that in the end, they had ignored 97% of the COVID that occurred during the trial. And they just looked at tiny numbers, so tiny. In the end, they were comparing three children in the vaccine arm who had COVID with seven in the placebo arm. And they said that this showed the vaccine was effective. So they measured how many of these children actually managed to catch COVID twice in the two month follow up period. And there were 12 children who had COVID twice and all but one of them were vaccinated, mostly with three doses. So you have to wonder what on earth they're thinking when the claim of reduction in COVID was only four children. And here we have 12 children who got COVID twice, 11 of them vaccinated. So let's just recap. They recruited 4,500 children, 3,000 of them dropped out. And in the end, they're claiming this vaccine works on the basis of three COVID cases versus seven, a difference of four children only. And all of this on a backdrop of a disease which doesn't affect children and with no long-term safety data. We have to ask how an ethics committee could have approved this trial in babies. Babies are not at risk from COVID. And now we have Pfizer who are presenting this as evidence to the FDA in order to apply for an emergency use authorization. Emergency use authorization is meant for a situation where there's a risk of serious injury or death. Now, children under five are not at risk of serious injury or death from COVID. In fact, in their own trial, they had to make up other ways of measuring the problem because there was no serious injury or death. Now, originally, these products were sold as actually also reducing transmission. Now, it would be completely unethical to use young children as a human shield, but we now know that they don't reduce transmission. The WHO have stopped claiming and they reduce transmission. So that argument doesn't apply either. Now, if we just turn to safety, what they did is they followed up the patients for six weeks before unblinding them and vaccinating them. So the children who'd had placebo, the control group, were followed up for an average of six weeks and then given the vaccine. So that's your safety control gone forever. The fact that this trial existed at all is unbelievable. There are other issues in there, which I haven't highlighted, but those are the key ones. Parents should be demanding 
but the decision makers explain themselves. I know that seemed long. I guess some of you are thinking, how come she's letting her talk so long? I want to encourage you, when you can, to go back and listen to that video again when you can stop it, pause, take notes. She is eviscerating the data that Pfizer presented to the FDA as proof of the COVID vaccine that they wanted to get special emergency use authorization permission from the FDA for it to release. She's eviscerating, she's exposing the study. And this is part of the uh, challenge in America, dealing with these issues surrounding COVID. Most of us are not immunologists, we're not doctors, we're not researchers. And so most people don't even wanna to listen to a four minute video, even that one, which didn't get heavily in depth into with you know, medical terms and drug terms that you didn't follow. It was basically a, a true takedown of the evidence present, Pfizer had available to present to the FDA to get permission to use this COVID vaccine for children. But part of the, the winner sometimes when an issue is complex is whichever side, whoever can present things in a more simple format and in, in more basic and short form American language. So when Dr. Fauci stands up and says, oh, the vaccines are safe, the vaccines are fine. That go, that's almost all the information many Americans want to hear. They don't even wanna to listen to a four minute video, which is a doctor herself laying out the detail of what is so absurd about the idea that Pfizer was able to present its vaccine data to the FDA. And if you didn't know the answer, FDA already approved it. FDA said, sure, doesn't matter what she laid out, all the facts that she laid out. Another point I want to make, so it's complexity of discussing the issue makes the people who are messaging with, everything's fine, it's great, don't worry. Those people, it's easier for people to listen to that and go, well, I don't know, Fauci said it's okay. But the truth is, it is your health, it is your life, it is, they are your children. And my show is not a heavily medical show. It's not, I'm not all about medical doctors and vaccinations and content of drugs. I'm about preserving and saving America. Part of what has occurred during this pandemic, which has been over for a long time, but the pandemic is that people began to surrender a little bit of that notion of their individual right to determine their health care, their individual right to make decisions for themselves and their children. And even if the government didn't force the vaccine on people, even if they didn't you know, mandate it, there was a combination of threats to your freedom that while you may not be forced to take the vaccine, but you can't fly, you can't go to work, you can't go work for the federal government, you can't be in the military, you can't fly a military airplane, you can't. And so you had limitations on your freedom, but you also had this cultural, and it occurred even among people who would call themselves conservatives or freedom lovers, this concept of at some point, you know, they want to do the vaccines and the government's pushing them and Fauci says they're fine and other doctors have said they're fine. So why do we have to listen to these upstart doctors like this one, Doctor? that was Dr. Claire Craig. I'm going to play in a moment a clip by Dr. Pierre Corey. Uh, but the, the messaging from people who are trying to challenge the uh, the need for the vaccine at all, certainly for the need of a vaccine for young children, which as she's pointing out, is exactly zero. Young children don't get COVID, they don't die from COVID, and therefore there's no reason to vaccinate them from COVID. She's making that point as many other doctors have. But back to America's frontline doctors, of which Dr. Philippe Corey is among them, Dr. Pierre Corey, excuse me, Dr. Pierre Corey, whom we'll hear from in just a moment, they're, they're trying to say, well, we're getting evidence out there. We're giving information. We're giving you data. In fact, what Dr. Corey uh, dove into, which I'll, in fact, and also Dr. Malone, uh, whose research I'm going to mention, or no, another doctor, Dr. James Thorpe, whose research I'm going to share with you in a moment. I'm getting at the idea that it's incumbent on Americans, uh, especially if you believe in healthcare freedom, to push back against mandates or any limitations on your freedom, and even to begin to push back in your general day-to-day -day life conversation. If you would push back, if the government said, you know, we are going to outlaw XYZ religion or XYZ form of speech, you would say, no, I'll stand up for that. We absolutely have the right to religious freedom. We have the right to freedom of speech. You ought to have that same response when people are submissive to the notion, let the government decide what kind of 
vaccines you must get, what vaccines they justify, what vaccines, because this permission FDA gave to the, for the Pfizer uh, vaccine for young children, it's not just permission, it will quickly morph into a requirement, a mandate, and if it doesn't get that far as a mandate, it will still morph into how the COVID vaccines have become in our society, this notion that, well, everybody knows you should get it, and everyone's tired of complainers, and everyone's recognizing, you know, that, um, that they're just trying to help us. It becomes a folksy, common, cultural understanding that the vaccines are really there to help. And so why are these upstart doctors complaining? I like to turn that on its head and say, why would these doctors who aren't making any money by vocally speaking up about available COVID remedies like hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, budesonide, and who are speaking up about the dangers of the vaccines, who are speaking up about the complete lack of necessity for the COVID vaccine for young babies. Why are they doing that? They're not making money. They're becoming the subject of ridicule within their medical community. And the answer is they're doing it because out of, out of their highest sense of virtue, of commitment to truth, commitment to their oath as a doctor to do no harm and to also to do their best to help people, they are operating out of the purest motives possible. The people raising the questions, the people who are just, you know, saying, you know, go along to get along, shut up, do what Dr. Fauci says, do what the federal government says. These people, because I do hear people defending, good friends of mine, defending Dr. Fauci. Why would he lie? Why would he say that if it isn't true? Why would he say the vaccines are so great if it isn't true? And the answer is money. The answer is the in-bed forever relationship between the pharmaceutical companies, the federal government, and the FDA. In fact, I'll tell you more about Pfizer in a moment, more about Pfizer's incredible, uh, just in bed with the government actions. Uh, and we're going to hear from Dr. Pierre Corey, tell you more about Pfizer. But again, very quickly for our listeners on radio at the bottom of the hour, 30 minutes past, you go off to a commercial and station identification break, come back, we'll still be rocking and rolling. Okay. So Mr. Joe, I want to play Dr. Pierre Corey. We will get through this. We will get our truth out. All grassroots movements that were on the right side of history that had a truth and had a, had a, had a goal, they've all succeeded. And the only way to succeed is little by slowly, those small little actions that each of us do each day make a difference. You know, I do, I do feel bad for the world. I, I cannot stand hearing about all the people dying. They're dropping dead. Young people don't wake up. Healthy, beautiful young people with their lives, they are not waking up right now. They are being found in cars, they're being found down in parking lots, especially being found down on their favorite places, which are the athletic fields all around the world. They are dying. Young people are dropping dead and they're sweeping on the rug. Oh, what a tragedy. Why, why did this happen? And we know how hard it is. When I read in the papers, I, I, get, I get infuriated. I want to fight. This has to stop. We have to protect these children. And it's not just the children, they're young fathers and mothers and all the babies being lost to this vaccine. I mean, it is one of the most horror shows of a time. And especially when you know what's going on, you have to watch this and you're subjected to this every day. You know, it's, it's extremely difficult, but I, I don't know. We're just going to keep going, speak, keep speaking truth, keep being objective and open-minded. And, and I think we're responsible to lead, lead in our families, lead in our communities and, and We'll get through this and uh, just know I'm, I'm going to keep showing up as long as I'm standing. So thank you for being here. Okay. Uh, that was Dr. Pierre Corey. And that was his, those were his, um, his opening address at the World COVID-19 Congress. And you can watch, he made a very lengthy address. That's obviously a short little excerpt, but the World COVID-19 Congress, you can, uh, you know, check that out. Uh, don't use Google, DuckDuckGo or something. His last name is Corey, K-O-R-Y, first name Pierre. But he's making the point, and I've talked about the show, you know, intermittently, but all these stories keep emerging about, you know, young athletes dropping dead on the field, young athletes who are, you know, NFL players, NBA players, soccer players, who recently had the vaccine and dropped dead. And the problem is, among the media who would normally be researching and behaving like journalists, there is no incentive among the mass majority of media in this country 
to try to connect the dots. No incentive for the, the media to look into and try to figure out, you know, how recently had this person had the vaccine and, and what was their reaction? How many boosters had they had? What else was going on in their lives? I mean, you, you get a, a, a short statement from the media, you know, very saddened by, please keep the family in your prayers. But no one in the media with the capacity to do it is investigating and trying to correlate the, this amazing uh, number of young athletes you see dying, young children dying, uh, and, I, and I will get to a few uh, bits of data in a moment about that, but there's also been this emergence of the thing which has been, is called sudden adult death syndrome or SADS, S-A-D-S, Southern Sudden Adult Death Syndrome. And that has been emerging. And again, you'll see individual stories. You'll say, well, surprisingly, you know, Joe Blow here, perfectly healthy guy, nothing wrong with him. And, you know, he didn't wake up one day or he just dropped dead in front of us. And you'll see all the stories about this is so sad. Please pray for the family. We have a GoFundMe. But there's not the media uh, determination as there is to chase down every single detail about anyone on the conservative side because the media has become complicit with the pharmaceutical and, and bureaucratic complex that is just simply saying we have circled the wagons around the idea that COVID is a pandemic and every possible future iteration of COVID and all the next viruses, the next illnesses are all going to be deadly and they're only going to be solved, only going to be solved by a massive increase in and, and regular use of vaccines being developed you know, by Pfizer and others. And there's no incentive to tie those dots. But I want to just um, mention a couple of things that, um, as I say, doctors have to find their own ways to speak out. So they had their big conference where um, Pierre Corey spoke, the World COVID-19 Congress. Uh, we saw that one doctor a moment ago, Dr. Claire Craig, uh, trying to say, let me explain in plain English what Pfizer presented as proof of the need for the vaccine. Other things about this COVID vaccines, uh, there is a great uh, doctor who has been lo actually looking into because Part of what happens is the left says, well, there's no proof. You don't know what's causing various things, but there is some proof that, um, that you can examine. So it's Dr. James Thorpe, who is a maternal fetal, fetal as an F-E-T-A-L baby, maternal fetal medicine expert. He recently analyzed and verified, not just analyzed, verified the most recent Vaccine Adverse Event Reporting System, V-A-E-R-S. As part of, you know, you can report injuries from vaccines, V-A-E-R-S, you report death or injuries. So he looked at the VAERS data relating to COVID-19 vaccines, and he related them to injuries that seem to have flowed previously from the flu vaccine, the influenza vaccine. So this is Dr. James Thorpe, looking at the VAERS data. This is not, you know, somebody in the street who's just a big anti-vaxxer or something. This is doctors looking at this. And his findings are um, that what occurs essentially is that the vaccines, the COVID vaccines, increase in women, increase menstrual irregularities a thousandfold. And you've been hearing this. I, I have friends who are younger, and, and we'll talk about their friends experiencing uh, bizarre shifts or, or lack of menstrual cycles. Um, so menstrual irregularities increased after COVID vaccines a thousandfold. Fetal abnormalities. Babies born with some abnormality because the mother got the vaccine. Fetal abnormalities a hundredfold. He's saying a hundredfold over what may have occurred uh, or did occur under with people after they got the flu vaccines. And he runs through a, a um, just an amazing litany of data. And this is this is a doctor looking at not just looking at the data submitted to VAERS, but verifying himself. Miscarriages are 50-fold greater, 50 times greater. Fetal chromosomal abnormalities, a hundredfold greater. I mean, I, I could read on and on. I'm this is an article, by the way, if everyone listening to the show or listening to it later, I always link on my website every story I talk about so you can go read it yourself. Our website is americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org. I urge you to go to that website. Read this article yourself. It's called COVID Vaccines Increase Menstrual Irregularities Thousandfold, comma, Fetal Abnormalities Hundredfold, colon, Doctors... VAERS analysis. I mean, I could read you the litany of things, but there's a mountain of evidence out there that the COVID vaccines are harming babies and harming women. 
And yet, the, the club that has surrounded, you know, the circle of the wagons around the vaccine industry and Dr. Fauci and the NIH and CDC and FDA, the wagons are circled and they're not going to tell you about this. You have to be looking for it yourself. I want to talk just a tiny bit more on this topic and then turn to another great topic for today, the last one for today, but I want, about Pfizer. There was an article, and again, this linked on our website, americacanwetalk.org, how Pfizer won the pandemic in profit and influence. And I want to just tell you that just small numbers, Pfizer has emerged um, as, the, as the giant in the production of vaccines with respect to COVID. And I want to make clear, we have to have pharmaceutical companies, and we have to have research, and we have to have them doing research and developing not just vaccines, but medications. I mean, it's part of modern civilized society. What is dangerous and wrong and unnecessary is that Pfizer has linked arms. They, ta they call it regulatory capture. It's a great term to picture what happens. Regulatory capture. The entities that are supposed, and the government, the federal government, whose tax dollars, your tax dollars pay to employ these people, the entities that are supposed to regulate these industries have been captured by those industries. It's not like CDC controls Pfizer, it's more like Pfizer controls CDC. And so just some quick numbers. Um, this article is full of data. Again, I urge you to understand this, but um, they're talking about how company executives at Pfizer frequently announce the next stage in the fight against the pandemic before government officials have even had time to look at it. So they're getting it way out ahead, getting in the news, getting in the media, and the government people are, who may not be as up to speed or may not be as determined to use vaccines for everything are, are scrambling to catch up. So they have Pfizer's revenue in 2021 was 81.3 billion, B as in boy, B as in border, B as in boy billion, uh, 81.3 billion, and that was nearly double its revenue from 2020. And they have the um, reliance on Pfizer products at every stage of the pandemic steers the response, including critical public health decisions. And so they're talking about Pfizer is steering the conversation, steering information. And so, I mean, the, um, I want one other thing. There's a lot of information in this article. One thing I want to share with you: Pfizer spent Pfizer spends a fortune lobbying. Now I know. I mean. You have to have, I understand, modern world, you have to have people who can communicate from Pfizer to Congress, but understand, Pfizer spent handsomely to bolster the influence, its influence during the pandemic. Since early 2020, it has shelled out more than $25 million for in-house lobbying and payments to 19 lobbying firms pushing for legislation to protect its products, to, to spread its influence. I mean, there are more and more, I mean, just mountains of data about that stuff, but understand it should be that the FDA is allowing private companies to do research and come up with suggestions and, and vaccines and treatments. But in this regulatory capture concept, Pfizer is running the show, not just Pfizer, but they're the biggest one. Uh, the last thing I would say about this is, so there was, as I mentioned earlier, uh, the FDA approved the uh, Pfizer vaccine for COVID-19 for babies who never get sick from it and don't die from it, but hey, let's have it anyway. Uh, Pfizer, uh, the FDA approved that. And so the reason it matters is one thing for FDA to simply say, we determine this to meet the standard applicable under the emergency use authorization statutes. That's one, that's the finding they did make, but how that morphs very, very quickly becomes either a mandate or a tremendous limit on the freedom of families because you'll start to have entities saying, well, you know, we require before kids can register for our school, register for our preschool, they gotta have this, this COVID vaccine. So it becomes like a mandate. It also becomes an attitudinal thing in society where you have people who just, they've been afraid about the pandemic, they've been afraid about COVID, they wanna feel safe, and this helps them feel safe. Well, now I, I'm doing what, you know, what Fauci said and what the FDA said. They said to do it, I'm doing it. And the risk to children, as we were just reading the data from VAERS, is staggering. But nobody in the mainstream media who's pushing everything Fauci says is making an equal effort to make public, to share, to explain the dangers flowing from the vaccines that is really being explained by a small percentage of doctors who are just deciding they'll put their professional reputations online, on the line, because they want to do live up to their oath, which is to protect people, to keep them safe and healthy. Okay, 
before I get to my last topic, I want to mention three things about this show. Again, the show is America Can We Talk. Our website is americacanwetalk.org. We're having a summit in Dallas, our third annual Women for Freedom Summit is on October 15th, and at our summit, we'll have some of the most tremendous speakers on the top issues that affect freedom in America. And we do have, I mean, COVID and, and the tyranny of the government controlling your health care is one aspect, one attack on freedom. There are many others. I don't know if Joe, I didn't give him a heads up. Do we happen to, we do have that. Okay, let's go ahead and put that up. So this is how it looks. This is our save the date form. And it's on our website, americacanwetalk.org. Every single one of those speakers will be there. Uh, you have, I mean, you can see it's just an extraordinary lineup of intellectual thought leaders in this country, from election freedom to rule of law to the Marxist attack on the military to the use of the economic system to uh, take down America, the whole ESG thing. And, and Larry Fink, you have national security experts. You have a woman who's just outspoken trying to protect America from falling into the path of doing what China does with social credit scores. We just have great speakers coming. Mark your calendar. And, and I believe, actually, I need to, I think the website be ready tomorrow for the actual purchase of tickets and sponsorships on our website, americacanwetalk.org. So I urge you to do that. Also, when you're on our website, americacanwetalk.org, Hit subscribe so you get our weekly newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter, please. Love to have you do that. Uh, become a member of America Can We Talk. You can join for $50 a year. It's a, it's a great deal. $50 a year, you become a member. You get a discounted price on our summit and on other products, uh, but you're mostly joining to support this show. Amazingly, this show has been going since 2014. It is listener-supported. I rely on the generosity of people who listen to the show and who care about America and appreciate the messaging you get from me. From me. Serious, substantive, informed, uh, well-informed, um, and and. So, but to, to do this show, to continue it, I need your support. So we also have a donate button on our homepage, americacanwetalk.org. Would love if you consider donating to support this show. All right. And oh, two last things very quickly. Other ways to support our show, keep us rocking and rolling. Uh, one, there are two products that I am very happy to and proud to tout and support. Um, one was a product that is a, um, a website you can go to, mypillow.com. At mypillow.com, uh, they have great products. And just, I'll tell you, just I was thinking about this say getting ready. Uh, just getting ready for the show. We have uh, MyPillow sheets. We have MyPillow uh, slippers bathrobes, bath towels in our home. My husband and I both use them. I can promise you they're high quality, reasonably priced, just really good products. And so if you go to mypillow.com, order everything you like there, and then at your checking out, put in the promo code DEBBIEG, D-E-B-B-I-E-G, DEBBIEG, put that in the promo code, and you get a discount up to 66% of everything you ordered. You get a discount. I get a small payment. It's one way to support a great company, mypillow.com, and also to support this show. So I urge you to do that. The other is, the, uh, the other product I love to share and want and urge you to try uh, is called H2 Bev or Hydro Shot. And that is a picture now on the screen. If you're listening on radio, Hydro Shot is a, uh, it, it's sold in cases. It's a, it's a small eight ounce can, uh, three really, really good flavors I love. And the Hydro Shot is a very advanced, not available in stores, not available from any other company, hydrogen infused drink that truly helps with focus. It helps with endurance. It helps, it, it's just, a, I have one can every morning and it's a unique formula that actually this hydrogen infused stuff was something they tried to do for years. Researchers figure, uh, couldn't do it. HydroShot folks figured it out. So you go to H2Bev, H, the numeral 2, BevBev.com. And again, put in Debbie G, D-E-B-B-I-E-G in the promo code. You get a discount. I get a small payment. Keeps us rocking and rolling. Okay. Last, last uh, topic for the day. And this is actually a fun topic and a really good topic. Um, and that has to do with um, the um, popularity or lack thereof um, of our president. But I'm going to start with, I sent a clip to uh, Joe, my happy producer today, um, who's, uh, this is clip five. I am not joking when I tell you, Governor Newsom, who I mean, allegedly survived a recall effort, but Governor Newsom of California ran an ad in Florida on July 4th in Florida. So I want to have, we're going to play that and then we'll talk about it. 
It's Independence Day, so let's talk about what's going on in America. Freedom is under attack in your state. Your Republican leaders, they're banning books, making it harder to vote, restricting speech in classrooms, even criminalizing women and doctors. I urge all of you living in Florida to join the fight or join us in California, where we still believe in freedom, freedom of speech, freedom to choose, freedom from hate, and the freedom to love. Don't let them take your freedom. Paid for by Newsom for California Governor 2022. I don't know if he was on drugs at the time he did that ad or someone advised him, and I'm joking, that's a joke. But I want to make clear how absurd, ridiculous that ad is. Governor Newsom lives in California where, you know, they don't enforce the border. They have ridiculous high taxes. Many income earners, high income earners are leaving the state. They're always spending in the red. I mean, the, the, the saving grace of California, the saving grace for Governor Newsom is that it's the most extraordinarily wonderful climate in the country. I mean, it is. I mean, it's just, I, we lived in California many years. I practiced law in California. Our kids were all born there. I mean, and my husband grew up there. My husband grew up, by the way, in a very conservative area, whereas he says, at the time I grew up, we elected Ronald Reagan as governor. But in any case, California is a beautiful state. It's also a big agricultural state, and they are constantly constantly fighting the government who is trying to control more and more in the name of climate change. Uh, and they and Newsom uh, latches on to every single lunatic left idea there is. But Governor Newsom, to be really clear, is thinking of running for president in 2024. He actually believes he may have the opportunity to become president of the United States. So he's planning and plotting ahead. And it actually occurred to him that the people of Florida the state where, you know, has Governor DeSantis might actually listen to that ad and think, wow, Governor Newsom, he's awesome. Maybe I'll support him for president. I mean, it is so lunatic, but I want to explain more why it's so lunatic. Um, that that is actually, I, I will say, this happens to politicians on both sides of the aisle. It happens to average American citizens. If you surround yourself with people who all agree with you at all times, you live in like an ideological or a mental bubble. You think everyone agrees with you because, you know, everyone you talk to agrees with you. So he's surrounded by other leftists who actually like all the incredible lunacy that flows out of California. So he thinks this is great. The country loves this. So I want to share some factoids um, about California uh, and what's happening and how people are really kind of uh, voting with their feet. And so... Um, to start with, uh, there was a, um, a, a great article that was written. Again, I, every article I talk about, you can read it yourself at our website, americacanwetalk.org. And I think this is one you probably should read because I, you know, I put it in here and I want to um, just talk a little bit about it. But it is a basic article that's talking about how people are fleeing, as, as everyone knows, fleeing the blue states. But it's interesting. I want to share a couple of things about it. the article is called "Post Pandemic Migration Pattern Continues." Post pandemic, pa <laughs> post pandemic migration pattern continues. Red states gaining, blue states dropping population. Same applies to job recovery. So, in short, the big blue states—California, New York, and Illinois—are losing population, and they have been. They have been for years. People want to get out of those states. And they are fleeing to red states. The main list of the red states uh, there are Florida, Texas, North and South Carolina, and Tennessee. Those states, every year population grows. I mean, the numbers coming to Texas are staggering. And Florida, the same thing. And so what people are saying, and what people are saying about that, by that is they might love the weather in California, and they love the ocean, they love the desert, they love the mountains. But the politics are killing them. The taxes are killing them. They can't function under the tax structure and the repressive attitude of leftists. This notion leftists have, they get to control everything about your life. So Newsom, I mean, he's got these statistics. He's, he has to. I mean, someone in his staff, and I mean, the guy can read. He must see it in news. He realizes people are leaving California, and yet he's trying to tout California and his politics, 
and because he's the governor, as, as really, really attractive to Americans, surely they'll want to come here. I want to just tell them how much I, you know, we love freedom. And, and it's a state with the least freedom of all. It's why people are leaving. So a couple of things that were iterations on this to understand. One, at one point during the pandemic, many people noted that the red states, as, as the, the uh, you know, little fiefdoms, the, the little, you know, dictators, the, the tiny tyrants around the country, on, in the left-wing mindset, were doing everything they could to control people's freedom in the name of protecting them, protecting them from the pandemic, all sorts of shutdowns, stay at home, you know, blah, 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 you know, can't go here, can't run your business, that the blue states shut down longer and shut down more severely than the red states. And so people said, well, you know, that's why some people left, because they didn't like the shutdowns. They really just came to the red states because they didn't like the shutdowns. Well, the shutdowns are a manifestation of how leftists think, which is, I will control every aspect of your life. But that was, okay, pandemic regulations are more or less over. I mean, there are still some in California, they're always threatening more, but for the most part, the controls put in place under the pandemic are over. And yet, people are still fleeing. The numbers continue. And people talked about the job recovery rate. In the red states, the job recovery, and this is a great stat to know, in the red states, the job recovery is to the point it's better than, the jobless numbers are better than they were pre-pandemic. Meaning we didn't, and the red states just come back from the pandemic, we're doing better. The red states are doing better because jobs are being created because people recognize you have to work. By contrast, the blue states are still at pandemic level unemployment. The concept of let the people be free, let their businesses prosper, let them rock and roll, and the red state took hold. Blue states just can't let go of that, and the job recovery has been has reflected that in the blue states is stagnant because of the government's policies. And so, and the numbers are, are kind of amazing. Um, you know, the, in fact, the Wall Street Journal uh, tried to opine that float the idea. Well, you know, the only real reason uh, that people flew the blue states, fled the blue states, is because you know um, they discovered during the pandemic that we can work from home, that doing Zoom from home works just fine, and they felt more free to move if they want to move. And so that pandemic freed people from the idea that you have to be near your place of employment, so you're more free to move, which is maybe marginally true, maybe true, but the people are still fleeing the blue states and coming to the red states. And a bigger notion, um, I want to share, there's a poll out of Monmouth Polling. Monmouth Polling had, a, uh, this is clip one, Mr. Joe. Uh, Monmouth Polling, this is so interesting. Of all the issues people think about and talk about, all the issues that talk about my show, Monmouth Polling just did a huge poll asking people essentially, what are you most concerned about? They did not give them choices. They didn't say, is it, one, is it these following issues, one through 10, one through 50? Just tell us the issues turning closer to home. What's the biggest concern your family is facing right now? Let's put that up if you would. And I know it might be tiny. I'll just tell you, and for radio listeners, the short answer was the top four issues all relate to the economy. That's what is dry, the biggest concerns families have. Number one, inflation, 33% of people polled said that's my biggest issue. Gas prices, 15%, similar to inflation. Uh, third issue was the economy, similar to inflation. Fourth, everyday bills, groceries, et cetera. I'm getting at the point, you can take it down now, that what Monmouth poll is saying is that people don't like the economy under Joe Biden. They don't like his policies. They don't like that his policies are driving up gas prices harming America through inflation. They don't like his attitude toward governance, and they are going to hold it against him. If you ever could have uh, a fair election in the fall, the left, the, the, the American people are dying to send the message to Washington, to Joe Biden and others, please stop controlling our lives. This is what is happening. The American people, they want to vote to say, we don't like left-wing policies destroying our freedom. We don't like your control over the economy. We don't like the out-of-control inflation. We don't like everything you're doing. And the Biden administration driving up gas prices, and understand, intentionally driving up gas prices through ludicrous environmental policies that do not allow American production of oil, and that 
shut down America's future oil discovery and production, at the same time trying to buy oil from Venezuela, our worst communist enemy, which, not our worst enemy, but a communist enemy in, in uh, South America, which, by the way, when they produce oil or produce gasoline and, and drill for oil, it's the same pollution. So somehow that's okay if they, they pollute, but we can't. Anyway, people are sick of them. Uh, there's one other thing, and I think I sent this to you. This is a poll of, how, of Biden's uh, job rating. This is clip two. This is Biden job rating. Same thing, Monmouth poll. I think you have that. It's like a graph thing. Okay. I love this because it's really, really clear. President Biden's job rating. And so the beginning, the far left, January 21, he's just in office. And the entire time, his approval is going down, 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 from 54 um, to 36%. And disapproval, affirmative disapproval from 30% to 58%. And I'm telling you people, I want to say really, really two important things about Biden. One is the left in the form of Obama, Susan Rice, George Soros, all the leftists who actually run America, Joe Biden was the perfect foil for them. He, he is senile. He has some form of dementia. They don't, he doesn't know what's happening. They know that he is utterly controllable. He can become, they could put all their left-wing policies in place through him and and he's, you know, blithely unaware of what's occurring, really. I mean, he may appear cogent sometimes, but, you know, people around him know they knew in the campaign. He's really not mentally, doesn't have the mental acuity needed to be the leader of the free world. He was a perfect foil for the Democrats to choose for these four years to try to continue to inflict their, inflict their Marxist policies on America. Because Biden will just say whatever they do, do whatever they tell. They'll, he'll just follow orders, and that's what's happening. What the American people are saying is, we don't like anything Biden is doing. We can't wait to vote him out. We can't wait to get rid of him. It's not just Biden. It's the policies. Now, we'll float this and tease it for the next time, next Monday. But you have, you know, Biden saying he's going to run again. The Democrats, I don't think, are ever going to let him run. I think what the Democrats are going to try to do is recruit Michelle Obama to run. They'll recruit Michelle Obama, and then we got to decide who on the conservative side is the best person to defeat her. Last thing I'll say before I turn to why it matters to you, do not fall into the trap of saying or agreeing with the idea, well, if the Democrats run Michelle Obama, we're toast, we're done, we can't win. America's had a really, really big dose during the uh, Biden years of just how rotten the Obama policies are, just how rotten the left is, just how evil their ideas are. Do not concede just because Michelle Obama may get in. And, and she would get in because Barack tells her, don't worry, honey, you just run and you can win because people will like you and I'll run the whole show, which is what he is doing anyway, what, Bi what Obama's doing anyway, running the show under Biden. America's rejecting Biden policies. We've got to tie them to Obama, tie them to Michelle Obama. But at the end of the day, what we're watching is the Marxist takedown of America, orchestrated, controlled, and happily manipulated by Obama and cabal. And as we watch America suffer, the American people are trying to rise up through, their, through what they're proving by voting with their feet, what they're answering and polling. They don't like what's happening to America. And we need to tie that to Michelle Obama, whoever else it is, the left thinks they can run that, 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 that could possibly beat the conservative. We, the American people want the ideas of the conservative right. They want, whether it's Trump, DeSantis, or somebody else, they want the idea of America to be reinstated. They want these left-wing policies driven into the ground. At the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about Biden's border obliteration agenda. Longstanding U.S. policy about captured legal immigrants cannot reenter America for somewhere between three and ten years, depending on how long they stayed here to start with, circumstance of capture and arrest, uh, discourages lawbreaking, and it encourages for those around the world to play by the rules of America's immigration. Biden's Homeland Security just eliminated the policy. Illegals may now reenter at will and have nothing, there's no penalty on them. There's no, uh, you know, take into consideration in their application the fact that they previously came to America and lived here illegally. They flaunted our laws. 
Yet another example and proof that Biden's actions are not innocent mistakes. They're actions in pursuit of an agenda to eviscerate America's borders and destroy this country. The American people must rise up to save their country. Uh, COVID vaccines and data, Pfizer is winning. UK's Dr. Claire Craig speaking out about actual Pfizer clinical data. Pfizer data does not demonstrate safety or efficacy. Emergency use authorization is preposterous on its face because there's no data to suggest a COVID emergency is facing young children. Why the rush to authorize? Vaccine injury data proliferating, e.g. menstrual problems, up a thousandfold. USA's Dr. Pierre Corey uh, speaking out about young people dropping dead from vaccines. America's frontline doctors continues to speak out, AFLDS.org, about dangers of vaccines. Yet America's FDA marches right along, approving vaccination of young children. FDA is a completely captured agency. Big Pharma is in control. Americans must not be sheeple regarding COVID vaccinations of children. The data is screaming out for caution. And finally, DeSantis versus Newsom. Newsom, which America do Americans want? Newsom's ad airing in Florida marks incredible tone deafness and arrogance. U.S. migration data belies Newsom's nonsense about California. Migration is heavily from blue states to red. People are moving out of California. Red states employment generally back to pre-COVID levels. Blue states below. Mammoth poll on what is of concern to Americans. 22 items received mention. No mention of the J6 committee or UK, Ukraine and Russia. Top four are all freedom issues, and that's what economic issues are, my friends. They're freedom issues. Inflation, gas prices, economy, paying bills. And California is horrible on all four. Newsom's message has no chance of connecting with the vast majority of Americans, and certainly not Floridians. Is Newsom stupid, or is he counting on rigged elections? And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I will talk to you next time. Can We Talk? Truth about America. Can you